from the mirror zone i'm bryce skidmore and i'm joined by a new co-host hey my name is julia price i'm speaking to you from my closet in manhattan and i'm super stoked to be here to talk about rebecca me too yes we're we're doing some new things with the channel uh by the way if you miss david don't he will be joining us again uh we're adding a whole new slate of podcasts um check out some of our other ones that we've got going on uh, bullets and booze where uh, two dudes get uh, hammered and watch war movies and talk about them. And pew, pew, pew. <laughs> with, there's lots of pew pews. And, Very uh, on brand. And we've got a, an, another podcast coming out pretty soon called We've Got Issues that's going to be mostly comics centered. So, um, and this is also, after like a long break of not being able to record, this is the first podcast that we, that the Mirror Zone is putting out in like over two years, I think, maybe three. That's a long time. It is. And you know, you gotta give the people what they want. We, we do. And you know what? We're back on our bullshit. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, also, random, also a random bit where it's like most, most of the stuff that's going to be coming out from Bullets and Booze is uh, recorded from before, from the before time, before COVID-19 and on. Um, sure. Before the insurrection and before. <laughs> like smoking on your patio style conversations about horror movies yeah no and that's why that stuff will seem very like detached from reality and it's because it's from a simpler time oh the nostalgia oh my god i know i've i i've truly taken to calling it the before time i mean it is the before time <laughs> it will be the before time for a while it will uh it's 2020 is the year that changed everything but fuck that 2021 we're here now <laughs> This is going to be, and was it, this is, uh, so we're expanding the mirror zone a bit and greetings from the mirror zone is going to include more stuff other than science fiction and fantasy, but most of it has some kind of vibe like that to it. And today, like- A Julia creepy said, vibe. Exactly. And today, like Julia said, we're doing Daphne de Maurier's Rebecca. And it's very, how would you describe Rebecca? What is its genre? Uh, 1940s Gothic novel? psychological thriller fake romance I, I like all of those yeah I also I just I also want to add to it ghost story mm, even though like it's hot really take yeah controversial take <laughs> no and it's uh I'm not going to say that necessarily it's like it it to me is a ghost story in the same way that the haunting of hill house by Shirley Jackson is uh, a ghost story, even though there's no, in that book, like in Rebecca, there's no real evidence that there is actually a ghost, but the oh. protagonist believes it so fucking much. Oh, that's interesting. So, but in that one, the protagonist believes list. in literal ghosts. And in this one, okay. our narrator is sort of more haunted. Yeah. Yes, she is haunted. I don't believe she believes in a literal ghost. Mrs. Danvers might, though. You never know. Oh, Mrs. D. Oh, my Mrs. God. Mrs. D. Danny. Danny. <laughs> um, uh, was it so? Do you want to, would you like to do a plot synopsis or would you like me to do? I can do a plot synopsis. Hmm. Rebecca is told from the point of view of a nameless narrator who's looking back how much time we don't know. Um, 
to when she first met her husband, the dashing widower, Maxim de Winter. And she, um, she at the time is working as a paid companion for a rich American lady. And um, not sexual, though. It's not that kind of companion. No, no. It's it's like I think we would call it a personal assistant now. Yeah, I think that's um, very apt. I feel like very kind of Anne Hathaway from the Devil Wears Prada vibes. Yeah, I mean, she is sort of paid for her company, mm-hmm. but she's also paid to do like arranging logistics, travel stuff. She meets this charming, mysterious widower two weeks later as she is about to leave with her employer, uh, Mrs. Van Hopper, to New York. He asks her to marry him and they get very mar- married very, very quickly and they return to his beautiful house of Manderley to the shock of perhaps everyone, including the narrator, because everyone keeps telling her that he just can't get over the death of his first mm-hmm. wife, Rebecca, who drowned so tragically. No, and that's that's a thing in it too, where it's just like, it's fucking weird how many people know about and love Rebecca and are always, tell, they will just tell, they will go on and on to the narrator about it. It's how yeah. great she was, yeah. how in yeah. love her and Maxim were. Yeah, like, yeah, it was like, like they were celebrities. And so she gets to beautiful Manderley in Cornwall and she is overwhelmed, but particularly intimidated by the housekeeper, Mrs. De Winter. No, she's Mrs. De Winter. I beg your pardon. The housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers, who we find out over the course of the novel, not only adored Rebecca, but raised her and came I apologize. My cat would like to come into the closet. <laughs> oh no, but that's he fine. Honestly, we'll, we'll probably get a bump in listens. <laughs> we'll love cat. He, he's, he's very good. He's not. He's a menace. But anyway, <laughs> Mrs. Danvers raised Rebecca and she's kind of just adding to the narrator's sense that she doesn't belong. And um, she kind of like gets herself into a tizzy while the... Um, while her husband, uh, Maxim, becomes more and more remote. And then there's this party where Mrs. DeWinter tricks, Mrs. Danvers tricks Mrs. DeWinter into wearing a costume that Rebecca wore years ago and everybody freaks out. And then they discover her boat the next day. And it turns out she didn't drown after all. Do I say more from this point? Do I spoil the ending? We can, this book I, was written in 1938. Well, no, this is, honestly, this is a thing. Like, and if you haven't, there's already a Netflix series. There's, there's a Hitchcock Netflix movie. movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Netflix movie, Hitchcock movie. Like, there's no, like, I mean, you guys, you should, it's spoilers. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, for, if you've only, if you've only watched the Hitchcock movie, mm-hmm. the ending of the book is in fact a spoiler. I accidentally spoiled this for Bryce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because in the Hitchcock movie, Rebecca died by accident while she and Maxim were having a fight. And when how, in fact, how sorry, did he actually died. Maxim shot her on purpose. <laughs> that is, that was honestly one of my favorite conversations that we had. Where you're like, I just, I remember seeing that movie, and I don't, I don't remember liking it. And then yeah. we got to the point where we were reading together, and I'm like oh man, that's crazy. No, he killed her? And you're like, yeah, of course he did. What was, I'm like, no, because in the movie it was an accident. You're like, what? So it does bad. literally change everything. 
It does. It 100% does. Because it just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. Mm. If he didn't actually fucking murder her, which he did. Uh, yeah. And so then they have to continue the cover-up. And they do. And then Mrs. Danvers and Mrs. Danvers' cousin slash lover, Jack Favell, burned down Manderley. And then... No, not Mrs. Danvers. You mean Rebecca's, Rebecca's lover slash cousin. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Rebecca's cousin lover. Lover cousin. Which also, like, that's... You, you brought up the fact that you said it was gothic, and it's like, that's one of the most gothic things about this to me, is like... There's, that there's incest? There's incest in it, yeah. It's... <laughs> no, it's straight up like like fucking Fra- like Frankenstein or any other glass- gothic classic where it's just like there are these two people and they're related, but they fuck. <laughs> For the folks listening at home, I made a very rude gesture just now. I apologize. It, it was amazing. It was something incomparable to sword fighting. I'll say no more. <laughs> anyway, did I miss anything? Probably. Uh, no, not really. Was it uh, aside from aside from the fact that they're they're being uh, hounded by uh, this relative slash lover? Oh yes, yeah. Uh, Favel Fe- tries to blackmail Maxim, and that's that's he, a key point. Yeah, he does, and that's already after Maxim has been like implicated in it, like in an actual crime. And yeah. it's amazing because it is the first. It looks it, and there's like a lot of stuff in this too about class, where it's like you kind of realize how Maxim would have just gotten away with it if Favel didn't give a shit, or if he like instead of trying to blackmail him, went straight to the police yeah. instead. Yeah. Like instead they do, and this is also a thing that's like fucking crazy to me is that Maxim is so involved in the investigation of himself. Right. Right. It's really because a, class privilege. Exactly. No, he's he's the Lord of Manjuli. Yeah, and man and. You know, male porridge, but like also, I love because I've read this book several times, and Bryce had not read this book. And I remember texting you at the beginning of rereading this book, and I was like, Oh my god, I forgot how much this book is about class, or I never realized it before. And you said they were sweaty about it. I was like, that, that's the, that's so accurate. Not because they're physically sweaty, but because they're like constantly so uncomfortable. All so, of them. They're so uncomfortable. They're trying so hard. They're exerting themselves so much. They're trying, <laughs> man. They are just fucking. <laughs> and it's like, no, and I love it. Cause it's like, there's so many moments and we'll get into it when we go into quotes, yeah. but just when the narrator is like, doesn't like, she's, she was a paid companion before she was the second Mrs. DeWinter. And she doesn't know how a lady of a manor acts. Nope. And the easiest thing for her to do is defer to whatever Rebecca would have done. Yes. Which ruins her sanity. And honestly, it's like hard shoes to fill, apparently. Right. But like, she's essentially like, people have described this like novel as being like about jealousy. And that for me is not the theme that sticks out, Mm -hmm. but it's there. And like, it seems rather counterproductive if you are jealous of someone to try and do exactly what they would do. Yeah, no, this is the, the, my rant. And it's like, I completely agree. And my random hot take about that is I feel like, and maybe this is just because of the extended quarantine and sheltering in place that we've had to do where it's just depression is on my mind. But like almost like a true desire to disappear Mm. as a person, just like I don't, she doesn't even, it's her story. It's her telling the story. She yeah. never even tells us her name. Mm. And everything, you know, Rebecca this, Rebecca that. You know, the, um, 
she goes into the morning room where she didn't realize that she was supposed to be. It's like, well, the fire is yeah. in the morning room. Why are you in the study? Oh, yeah. I guess I'll go there. And then she yeah. goes there and Mrs. Danvers calls in to ask about the menu for the day. And when she answers, yeah. she says, Mrs. DeWinter, Mrs. Danvers says, Mrs. DeWinter. Yeah. And the narrator says, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. DeWinter is dead. Yes. Which is great. Cause it's oh. like, don't realize it's like, oh, right. She's talking to me. But then there's also the, the really, the really creepy like insinuation where it's like, girl, you might be in actual peril. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That's the moment where you realize that she might actually be in danger. No, and it's, I don't mean like, you know, where you realize like the physical, like, like, you know, something has happened to, because actually at this point, we've kind of seen that like honeymoon, no, it was on their like mm -hmm. walkabout when they were in Monte Carlo and they were hanging out. Mm -hmm. and it was like, Maxim just starts like staring into the ocean. Like he's about to take right. the into it. Yeah. And I think yeah. they were sitting in his car. So it was like, yeah. And, and then he like sped away. So it's like, you got yeah. that moment where it's like, she yeah. is in kind of physical yes. danger. Yes, yes, definitely. I always read that as they got out of the car and he was just like standing and looking at the edge and she's like, can we go home now? Yeah. <laughs> and not that they were in the actual car and he's just like air, like clutching the steering wheel. Just, just like, white, white knuckles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait for this drive to be over, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of freaking me out. So Manderly is based on, in part, on an actual manor in Cornwall called Menabilly that Daphne du Maurier herself was like obsessed with. And in the edition that I have, there's actually an essay that she wrote about like her love affair with this house, which she describes as a love affair. She and her sister, like when they were kids, like snuck onto the grounds. And the first time they tried, they got lost. And then she went back by herself and she just like stared at it. And then eventually she like wrote to the owners to like get permission to like walk the grounds. And then later when she like had a lawyer, she was like, hey, can we rent it? Well, no, and it's real quick. It's like, this is this at the point like after she's got a lawyer, but is this also after she's become like essentially the Stephen King of the 30s? I don't know. And it's just selling hella books. Um, like, I'm not sure at what point um, this was that she got herself lawyered up, but she did rent the house and she did refurbish it, but she could never own it because it was entailed, which is to say she was not of the family that had owned it since the Tudor period. But she does describe it as a fucking love affair. And I think she describes it as like being in love with a house. And then there's a, there is a quote that Maxim has that's similar when he's talking about his own house and they, they, they don't write about it in the Bible, the love that a man has for his plot of land. And I feel like... With the house like that. I'm not saying that people of, like, obviously people of all classes can love their homes if they have one. But when it's a house like that, which requires staff to run, and like, and it's yours by right of blood, there's like something like very much like the house is a metaphor for the nobility kind of deal going on and the the anxiety about heirs you know the reason maxim is goaded or rebecca goads maxim into killing her by implying that she is pregnant with jack favell's son she is not she is in fact suffering from some kind of ovarian cancer that would prevent her from reproducing which in my opinion is just <laughs> is a way of saying how twisted and evil she is. 
yeah. in a narrative say. Yeah, I, I, I think that you pulled an actual quote and I think we'll find it when we get there, but there was literally yeah. like an actual quote that kind of just read like, and of course she was barren. Yeah. There was no, she was so sexually like evil. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Cause like the flowers are metaphors for her sexuality. Her body is a metaphor for evil. <laughs> Why is Rebecca evil? That's what I want to know. See, you know what? Let's keep that in mind. Cause it's, we're, we're we should go into quotes like in a, in a bit like of the text itself, because yeah. there is a, there is an amazing like amount of that imagery of just Rebecca, the slanted handwriting. The, no, I was going to say the fact that, you know, he doesn't like it when anyone calls him Max and she decided, oh no, you're Ma Max. What's up, Max? And so, of course, Ravel calls her Max as well. Calls him Max. Hi, so Max. I also, I feel like Favel is sort of a foil for Rebecca because, like, they are cousins. And she supposedly has, according to Maxim's grandmother, who should be an authority on these sort of things, beauty, brains, and breeding. So she must come from a good family of some kind. But Maxim, Favel is outwardly more rotten than she is. The narrator says over and over again that his florid good looks will not last him <laughs> because he's a drunk. And, and and I mean I mean he is a drunk, so like his behavior is no, I, very unbecoming. I love that bit in the book where he's literally with the cop and Maxim and the narrator after he tried to blackmail Maxim. And then like, just un unabashedly, it's like, okay, we're kind of in an official police situation right now. And he's like, give me a scotch. Yeah. <laughs> Can you not right now? I need a scotch. <laughs> like, <laughs> me too, Fafel, me too. Um, yeah. And it's that keeps, um, that keeps Julian, Colonel Julian, who is the constable on their side, that he's just some drunk and he's repugnant to everything they stand for. And, and of course, in this instance, he knows the truth or knows most of it, has guessed it. He is right. But, but he's actually, this noble rot. He's this rot. No, that actually is, now that you put it that way, that is the fucking kicker, is the idea yeah. that he is the only person outside of the conspiracy to cover the murder up who knows. Yeah. Danny finds out later. Danny finds out. She no, Danny believes 100% yeah. that Rebecca drowned at sea. Well, she also cannot even conceive of the idea that Maxim might hate her or might have hated Rebecca, mm -hmm. which is sort of a turning point because everyone, everyone believes that Maxim simply adored her, which is why... I don't, that's not why he's so miserable. He's miserable because he's a fucking asshole who killed his wife. But um, <laughs> I, I imagine, though, it contributed to his misery before that point. Oh, yeah. um, well, no, and it's, it's some of the shit where it's just like, you know, like you were saying, the things that are expected of you when you own yes. a place like Manderley, you have to, and we see like people showing up when the narrator arrives as the new wife, you know, yeah. people from the town just being like, when are you going to throw another party? We fucking yeah. we love these Manderley parties. Like we yeah. love, you know, and that's a thing where it's like, it's just expected that you do that. And Maxim yeah. fucking hates it. He does. That's why he had Rebecca do it for him. Mm -hmm. He'd rather just have the house exist without him having to do anything. He would. And he, he kind of gets his wish at the end. And that twisted well, monkey's paw kind of way. <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. So the house is gone. Yeah. Oh no, it's, it's still there. Yeah. Anderley. It's just 
it's vine choked, baby. All of those, all of those female genital metaphor oh. flowers that Rebecca planted that are just fecking. Right. They have completely grown over the ruins. Oh, oh, side house. note. The fucking red rhododendrons that you spend so much time freaking out about mm -hmm. are in the essay about Menabilly. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fucking real. Oh man, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to rethink that then. Like, cause my whole theory was just like, yeah. oh, it's just, it's the, the danger and the of female sexuality. And it's like, actually she might've just really liked the rhododendrons. <laughs> oh no, I kind of, I absolutely think they represent like Rebecca's dangerous sexuality. But I, I do think like she was, she saw these fucking flowers and she's like, these are cray. Let me write about them. <laughs> yeah, what y'all know about these flowers? Yeah, yeah. Do you mind if I read us a bit? Um, this is okay. a thing that we like to do because it's often very fun um, to share the first bit, like the opener. Who's opening say mm. a lot, and uh, this is how Rebecca opens. Last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again. It seemed to me I stood by the iron gate leading to the drive, and for a while I could not enter, for the way was barred me, barred to me. There was a padlock and chain upon the gate. I, ca I called in my dream to the lodge keeper and had no answer. And in peering closer through the rusted spokes of the gate, I saw that the lodge was uninhabited. No smoke came from the chimney and little lattice and the little lattice windows gaped forlorn. Then like all dreamers, I was possessed of a sudden, I was possessed of a sudden with supernatural powers and passed like a spirit through the barrier before me. The drive wound away in front of me, twisting and turning as it had always done. But as I advanced, I was aware that a change had come upon it. It was narrow and unkempt, not the drive that we had known. At first, I was puzzled and did not understand. And it was only when I bent my head to avoid the low swinging branches of a tree, I realized what had happened. Nature had come into her own again. And little by little, in her stealthy, insidious way, had encroached upon the drive with long, tenacious fingers. The woods, always a menace even in the past, had triumphed in the end. The crowded, dark, and uncontrolled to the borders of the drive. The beaches with white, naked limbs lent close, lent close to one another, their branches intermingling in a strange embrace. And I'm actually going to stop there because it's like this. It goes on, but it's so. I love it so much. It's very. I I can't even with this shit. Like it's the way. Like this is good. I all right. I'm personal confession. I love ruin porn. <laughs> I do. Just, oh my god, tell me about the fucking <laughs> falling apart manner. Like, tell me about yep. it. And yep. I love it. Yep. And I also love it's that, hot. you know, and it's very hot. And I also love that it starts <laughs> off, like, sort of like what we were talking about with, like, sort of the mm -hmm. gothic horror and the sort of the ghosty element is just like, mm -hmm. but also the first ghostly stuff is her. Right. It's her passing She's through passing gate. through, like, she doesn't have a fucking body. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I hadn't even noticed that before, that she's the ghost in the dream. I mean, she's kind of always the ghost. Yeah. Um, doesn't Mrs. Danvers call her a ghost? She does. She absolutely okay. does. I might be able to find that. Yeah, also, was it you underline, right? I do underline. I was going to say, if it's helpful, I could also do this share, <coughs> excuse me, and uh, do search function to find the specifics. Uh, that might help. You can see which of us is faster. <laughs> I'm also just laughing at my own notes. I was more convinced that ever, than ever that he knew the truth. And I wrote, does he know or are you paranoid? <laughs> You're the ghost. I think it's not 
in the scene by the with the window i think it's in the other one in that room yeah no i said i think i you'll never find better than her found it. yeah is it do you want to do you want to lead us into this oh, it is in that okay great is it so this is um so this is in chapter 18 um this is what uh this is after the party at manderley is a resounding success, but the narrator is utterly embarrassed because she came downstairs uh, having been tricked into wearing the last thing Rebecca wore before uh, to a party before she died. Yes. And uh, she confronts Mrs. Danvers for, this is the second time, right? Because the first time she's like- Yes. The first time she gets like a little uppity with Mrs. Danvers and then it's just like, look, can you just help me? Yeah. And yeah. Mrs. Danvers seems like she's being chill, but yeah. then later, Mrs. Danvers fucks her over, and this is... Yeah. By suggesting the costume that the narrator wears, mm -hmm. um, not telling her. Yeah. Um, do you want to do... Mrs. Danvers... I'm sorry. Shoot. Sorry, go ahead. Tell me. I was going to say, do you want to do um, the the bit that uh, you were going to do in the one before? Yeah. Yeah. He was jealous while she lived, and now he's jealous when she's dead, said Mrs. Danvers. He forbids Mr. Jack the house now, he, now like he did then. That shows you he's not forgotten her, doesn't it? Of course he was jealous. So was I. So was everyone who knew her. She didn't care. She only laughed. I shall live as I please, Danny, she told me, and the whole world won't stop me. A man had only to look at her once and be mad at her about her. I've seen them here, staying in the house, men she'd meet up in London and bring for weekends. Weekends. She would take them bathing from the boat. She would have a picnic supper at her cottage in the cove. They made love to her, of course. Who would not? She laughed. She would come back and tell me what they had said and what they'd done. She did not mind. It was like a game to her. Like a game, who wouldn't be jealous? They were all jealous, all mad for her. Mr. De Winter, Mr. Jack, Mr. Crawley, everyone who knew her, everyone who came to Manderley. I don't want to know, I said. I don't want to know. Mrs. Danvers came close to me. She put her face near to mine. It's no use, is it? She said. You'll never get the better of her. She's still mistress here, even if she is dead. She's the real Mrs. De Winter, not you. It's you that's the shadow and the ghost. It's you that's forgotten and not wanted and pushed aside. Well, why don't you leave Manderley to her? Why don't you go? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I love, I love Danny so fucking much. Oh, no, and this yes. is... This is like one of the few things that's like, you know, I'll, I'll give to Hitchcock and I did enjoy the movie. Like yeah. it has its problems, but that the casting of Mrs. Danvers in that and how she's just in your ear, like dear, maybe it's you that's the ghost. Yeah, she's very good. I'm gonna look up her name while we're sitting here. And what was it? While you look it up, I'm gonna read this other bit. Um, it, and it just goes sort of further into that whole, uh, what you were reading before. Yeah. It's you that ought to be lying there in that church crypt, not her. It's you that ought to be dead, not Mrs. DeWinter. Mm -hmm. 
She pushed me towards the open window. I could see the terrace below me, gray and indistinct in the white wall of fog. Yep. Look down there, she said. It's easy, isn't it? Why don't you jump? It won't hurt, not to break your neck. It's a quick, kind way. It's not like drowning. Why don't you try it? Why don't you go? And it's like- I know. Look, it's just, and can you, like, just also just, the narrator doesn't yeah. say, but I feel like the visuals, the visuals of the film, and both of the films, and I mm -hmm. think sort of Demuria is trying to insinuate that she almost does. Oh yeah. Like this almost works. <laughs> it does, cause she's so fucking miserable. She doesn't know how to talk to her husband and he doesn't want to talk to her. And nobody knows what therapy is. And... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, no, I mean, I think that Mrs. Danvers lost an opportunity to um, think of the narrator as, you know, a comrade in arms because Maxim is a wife killer. Mm -hmm. And it does not occur to the narrator for one second that he might kill again. That it honestly, that's probably the most unbelievable thing about this is that she's she finds out that this happened and is literally like, okay, babe. Oh, do you think it's the most unbelievable? Because I actually find that very believable. I think how so, hold on. How so, yeah, how so in that when you are gaslit and you are desperate and in sort of a fucked up psychological situation that some people might call abusive and all you're looking for is their validation once they have told you that you're special and you are the one that keeps them together you will jump through a lot of psychological hoops to believe that I think Maxim is terrifying Yeah. for that reason. He lies to her about his age. We don't know what his age. He tells the narrator that he is 42. Mrs. Danvers tells the narrator that he is 46. So there is some inconsistency there. He picks a girl that he can tell is on her own and isolated and he brings her back and he says to her that the lost look the look like a child is the one that he the thing that he loves about her and she loses that look when she understands that he's killed his first wife yeah funny lost look i think is what he says so yeah so i to me i think it's somewhat believable that she may not comprehend the danger that she is in or may not, that she might understand it, but she will pretend it is not there. Um, and one of the only things that I liked about the Netflix movie. Random aside, I think I did. Yeah. Um, la 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 la. Yes, it's gone forever. That funny young lost look I loved. It won't come back. I killed that too when I told you about Rebecca. It's gone in 24 hours. You are so much older. Well, no, and this is real quick and going back to sort of like ghost shit. This is yeah. one of the things that I think that this novel shares in common with other like other horror stories, like for instance, *The Turn of the Screw* by Henry James. Oh, um, where yes. you have this sort of ghost possession thing going on, mm -hmm. and sort of 
and this is the thing that he'll notice about her that like sort of the the longer she's around Rebecca's shit, the more Rebecca gets mm-hmm. like, into her, like almost possessed. Yes. She'll yes. Mimic com- she'll have conversations to herself where she mimics both him and her, and he wa- sorry, dude, yeah. I didn't like the way that your face looked when you were doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like it was there was something wrong with it, and yeah, yeah, no, it's. And it's like, yeah, she no. looked like Rebecca. And Rebecca is, and it's like weird because it's like, regardless of whether or not Rebecca is an actual ghost, she is like getting into this woman and yeah. the way that she behaves and who she yeah. is. Yeah, what I was going to say is the only thing I liked about the Netflix movie mm-hmm. where Kristen Scott Thomas plays Mrs. Danvers. So good. She was very good. Was there is a line where Mrs. Danvers after, so they have it so Mrs. Danvers figures out what happened sooner than she does in the novel. And I have my problems with that. But there is a line where Mrs. Danvers tells the narrator, how dare you choose his side? And it's like this, Maxim is the patriarchy. He might be fucking uncomfortable with it sometimes, but he is. And in covering up a literal murder that's what she is choosing Mm -hmm. and that's why this book is not romantic no No, even though it pretends to be well no and actually and here's the thing like i'm gonna and i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on what you're saying but it's like this was a thing that blew my absolute mind uh when reading this book is that so the way that it worked out was maxim killed rebecca threw her body in a boat and intentionally scuttled it so that she wouldn't be found. And then later, a, a dead woman washed up on shore yeah. that he said was Rebecca. Like, he made the yeah. indication that it was Rebecca and yeah. she was buried in a crypt somewhere. So yeah. there is just a dead woman. Right. There's a dead woman in this story and no one, like, it's like, okay, well, Rebecca's gone, but it's like, did no one notice anyone else was missing? Mm-hmm. You give a shit? Like, Apparently not. And that's that's actually the thing that's kind of the craziest to me is that like, it's like, mm. well, if that's Rebecca, who did we bury? No one ever has that question. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. Um, I'm noticing Frank, I, saw, I thought I saw Frank's name on the page. Hmm. I didn't, but um, there's so much in this book and this is a little off topic, but I have to say like it, I don't uh, read as much as I used to. And um, so reading this again and just like going through the experience of like reading a really good novel where there is so much to talk about, it was sort of mind blowing. Like there's like, you know, the, 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 the Hitchcock movie is like kind of queer with like Mrs. Danvers being all like grabby grabby. Yeah, but no. like the book is kind of queer with like, maybe frank is gay maybe mm-hmm. and then like no also like this is gonna sound kind of strange but like hold on like she should have been a boy or something like that yeah is that something mrs danvers said i feel like it was it is no and, and while i find it no you're you're totally right now this, yeah there's a thing where it's like you know you could say that de Maurier sort of like unqueers it a little bit from hitchcock where it's like hitchcock omitted the yeah. whole danny was a mother to her like that she wrote right. her from a child. And yeah. in, in the Hitchcock movie, she is just this like older, very stern woman who was cl- who clearly loved Rebecca, like obsessively. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's, that, there's that scene where she's like 
running her hands over her underwear. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. There is that. And it's like, yeah, I know it's queer baiting, but also I'm, yeah. I, I don't know. It worked on me. I mean, I, I, the thing is, we, we, we do get that Rebecca is sort of needlessly cruel because we know that she threatened. She threatened the. the she threatened Ben, who's like a, a mentally disabled man who like hangs out on the beach when he saw her having a tryst with um, Favelle in her cabin. So she threatened him with the asylum so he wouldn't talk about it. So we know she can be like needlessly cruel. But we don't really understand what Maxim sees. I'm trying to find the bit where he's like, she told me what she was. She told me terrible things that I will never repeat. Um, what are those exactly? Like, did she kill kittens or did she fuck women? Um, yeah. Like, I, I, mm. what was, yeah, what, what made Rebecca so horrible? No, yeah. also there was, there was that bit of dialogue that is in the book that made it into, I can't remember if it's in the Hitchcock movie, but it was in the Netflix movie of like how she like would dig her heel, like how she would like hurt this horse to break it. Yes how she would like dig it her heels in and she would make it hurt and it's like and it loved every minute yeah. but like the whole sort of like yeah she broke a she broke a horse um that was i assume like young and had not been like i mean breaking is a term i think that they use in like horse horse people dumb like saddle broken mm-hmm. um and it's you know because shockingly enough animals even domestic ones don't naturally want a saddle and a human on their back and so you have to get them used to the idea so my impression was like she's like i'm gonna do this myself and i'm gonna do it by beating this horse to death Mm -hmm. and that's what she did in the in the scene no and that's and then you know that's the thing where it's like and i'm I'm all about sort of like rupturing stupid binaries but it's like the idea of like that's not very ladylike. And it's like, not all ladies behave the same. I've, I've known violent women. That's, it's a thing. It happens. Is it? <laughs> You're just going to throw, I've known violent women. I have. And it's, <laughs> dude, no, it's, I've, I don't think I've ever, I've never known a Rebecca, but I feel like if I did, I would have wanted to be her friend. I'm like, sit next to me, actually. <laughs> sort of, in sort of a Regina George type of way. Mm. Do you mind if I, uh, do you mind if I read what Maxim said? Go for it. Yes. This is uh, when Maxim can, uh, and then also your bit that you were looking for is also. Yes. Yes. I thought it might be. Maxim, you thought I loved Rebecca. He said, you thought, you thought I killed her loving her. I hated her. I tell you, our marriage was a farce from the very first. She was a vicious, damnable, rotten, uh, rotten through and through. We never loved each other. Never had one moment of happiness together. Rebecca was incapable of love, of tenderness, of decency. She was not even normal. She doesn't even go here. She was not even normal. That's like... No, but she was. She was clever, of course. Damnably clever. No one would ever guess meeting her that she was not... No one would guess meeting her that she was not the kindest, most generous, most gifted person in the world. She knew exactly what to say to different people, how to match their moods, her moods to theirs. Had she met you, she would have walked off into the garden with you arm in arm, calling you, calling to Jasper, chatting about flowers, music, painting, whatever she knew you to, or whatever she knew to be your pr- particular hobby, and you would be taken in by it like the rest. You would have sat at her feet and worshipped her. 
And it's like, I've known charming people, but that's like super naturally charming. But also like the kind of thing where it's just like, oh no, she, you, you would think nothing of it. She would take your arm. She'd walk you off somewhere. Yep. And we know that it's, yeah. Maybe she was Sagittarius. Just total sense. <laughs> I know that people would think Gemini because the the stereotype about them being two-faced. Mm-hmm. But yo, Sages know how to flirt with fucking anyone and make them feel like they're the only person in the room. And they can do it to everyone. I found her out at once, he was saying, five days after we were married. You remember that time I drove you in the car to the hills above Monte Carlo? Oh, the time you almost killed me? (laughs) Oh, yeah! I wanted to stand there again to remember. She sat there laughing, her black hair blowing in the wind. She told me about herself, told me things I shall never repeat to a living soul. I knew then what I had done, what I had married. Beauty, brains, and breeding. Oh, my God. Like, what did she tell him like did she tell him that she like fucked in every club in london and in every manor house that they'd been to like did she tell him that she was extorting money from someone and like i don't know beating children like what and that's what i don't really understand Actually, there's another thing I don't understand that's not related to this, but um, to me, it just sounds like she looks like a perfect woman, and on the inside, she has her own thoughts and pleasures, (laughs) and that is a threat to male-dominated British upper-class society. And it's actually, it's interesting that you say that because it's, all right, and there's there's two things about that. First, in terms of the queerness in the passage you just read, the idea of, yeah. I remember this being a thing in, the, it's, it's all, another horror story. It's called The Great God Pan and it's amazing, but there's a character yeah. in it named Helen Vaughn and she and a friend, she and a girl, they go out dancing naked in the forest and they summon some kind of elder god, it seems. Oh, heck yeah. And then later she marries a dude and Helen does Helen does yeah she marries a dude under a different name and that dude becomes broken destitute and homeless and she moves on and changes her name and does this shit all over again and she's the whole time she's doing evil shit and she's fucking whoever she wants and she's dancing naked in forests and summoning elder gods <laughs> like I want to be friends with Helen Vaughn Helen Vaughn is one of the coolest fucking characters that ever existed like and it's like it's crazy to me that not more people know about that book but like yeah. There's there's a a thing where like her ex husband who is now completely broken destitute and like seems to be suffering from night terrors of the things that he has heard from her both sexually oh boy and yeah. it's the same thing it's like she told me things man I'll never repeat them but there's yeah. like there's like an aspect things bro what things and it's also like maybe something that you might find enticing at first because it's like yeah you know I could tell you about me and the girls if you want if that yeah. if that sounds and you know that's some yeah is that is that your kink yeah are you into that and no and that's that is a thing that's um but yeah no and but like you were you're saying where it's like that kind of sexuality being a problem for the patriarchy yeah and this is a thing like it totally it doesn't produce any heirs it doesn't and also like it there's sort of a way where it's just like 
I could take, I could move into this fucking spot and I could blow it up way better than you ever could. And yep. you'll never know who you are. Cause this is what, and I love it. Cause like Rebecca comes out of other people in this story. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I want to say this is the one of the first time, or this is the first time we hear Maxim, her, her voice. Through. Yes. Yes. I'll look after your precious Manderley for you. Make it the most famous show, show place in all the ca- uh, country if you like. And people will visit us and envy us and talk about us. They'll say we're the luckiest, happiest, handsomest couple in all of England. What a leg pull, Max. What a goddamn triumph. She sat there on the hillside laughing, tearing up flour to bits in her hands. Yeah. Like, and she does do that. She moves back to Manderley. She makes it the fucking, she makes it poppin'. Everybody loves Manderley because of her. And he like, yeah, it's like, no, she takes care of your house better than you do. This is her house, like Danny said. Yeah. I just had a thought. Yes. Maxim's telling us this story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an unreliable narrator within an unreliable narrator's narrative. Mm-hmm. What if she didn't tell him like she was laughing about it? What if she was like, hey, so I'm sorry to tell you this just after our wedding night, but I wanted to tell you that my sexuality is not what other people might expect. And this might cause some issues for us in our marriage. And he like freaks the fuck out. And so then she has to bargain with her. Because remember, this is on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Where he admits that he thought about tossing her into the ocean. And the reason why I'm thinking about this is his detail is she sat there on the hillside laughing, tearing a flower to bits in her hand. And I associate, I associate fiddling with plant life or anything else. Like I don't, like tearing a flower to pieces, I don't generally associate that with aggression mm-hmm. so much as I do with anxiety. Yeah, That's sort of a jarring detail. Uh, because he also says when he's, telling us about how he killed her he said i forgot that when you kill someone there's so much blood which brings us to the unsettling possibility that maxim has already killed someone now and here's it was it and here like this is a thing that's gonna sound kind of crazy but go with me on this yeah it starts out maxim is having trouble remembering things and i can't tell whether or not that's crafty but in the beginning i thought Mm-hmm. That Maxim was like experiencing some kind of early onset, yes, Alzheimer's or dementia or some yes. sort of thing. But it's like the other possibility that's even more terrifying is that she's still with Maxim, and if he did kill her, people would be like, "Well, he couldn't have done it. Like he's not really all there." Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of interpreted those that passage where she's like saying that he remembers more often than he would like me to know. Yeah. Well, no, um, no, I'm sorry. No, and this, uh, no, and it was a thing that I also, oops, yeah. sorry, my, my brain just exploded kind of. Yeah. Um, no, but like what you said about this being an unreliable narration within an unreliable narration coming from an unreliable mm-hmm. narrator. Yeah. You're right. That stuff does kind of come through and it's weird because I was going to say, well, but Danny says that she's afraid of nothing. 
But then I also remember Danny, we had this other conversation about another thing that happened with Maxim and Danny, or um, with Maxim and Rebecca and uh, Miss Danvers, where she was recalling like the story about how, you know, he would brush her hair and she'd be like, that's too tough, Maxim. And then he would laugh and throw me the brush and, you know, gotta go. Yeah. Like, yeah. We talked about it where it's like, you could actually read that in a completely different direction where Mrs. Danvers yeah. thinks this thing about Rebecca so fucking much yeah. or like that everybody loves her. She didn't notice that Maxim was actually like ripping her hair yeah. with a comb and then yeah. was like, you deal with it. Yeah. And then walked away. Yeah. Mrs. Danvers yeah. saw that scene completely different. But, you know. Harder, Max, harder. Yeah. But no, and here's, but and here's the thing where it's like, and yeah. I, this is, this is Mrs. Danvers before she's kind of starting to realize this is after they found Rebecca's body and mm-hmm. she's and Maxim has gone to 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 court for it for to inquest and she's kind of starting to push it together but yeah this is uh Danny says she was afraid of nothing actually do you want to do this you do a really good Mrs. Danvers voice I practiced for Halloween this year that's why <laughs> and then well yeah okay she was afraid of nothing and no one there was only one thing that ever worried her, and that was the idea of getting old, of illness, of dying in her bed. She said to me a score of times, when I go, Danny, I want to go quickly, like the snuffing out of a candle. That used to be the only thing that consoled me after she died. They say drowning is painless, don't they? There's a, there's a bit about that, too, where it's like, I want to go out quick like the snuffing of a candle. Like I, I feel like that's a direct reference to Othello, because right before... Mm-hmm. Right before he uh, suffocates Desdemona, he says, shall we put out the light and put out the light? Like, Oof. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, all I'm thinking of is I can be a companion for you, a sort of boy, which is the narrator when she's like, please love me. You don't even have to love me. Just let me stay. Which that is such a bummer. (laughs) Upsetting. I'm sorry about your marriage. Yeah like harkens back to when she has she has the fantasy of living on a little shit in a little shit on the grounds of magic oh my god and that's you know and that's a thing that's kind of heartbreaking it goes back to what we were talking about with the past where it's like that's the best you that's your hope in all this yeah you know which is and she is yeah very much like yeah and she's very like the opposite of rebecca that way yeah. Like Rebecca took a look at Manderly and Maxim and was like, well, this is clearly my house now. Yeah. Yeah. The na- and the, the narrator is just like, I could, I could, yeah. Like, oh, and the narrator, it was interesting at the beginning she, when Maxim proposes to her and she's like, what? And she doesn't really believe it. And then he says, you know, we'll have to do this quickly so I can take you to Manderley. And that's when it kind of clicks for her that it would be real. And she immediately goes into this fantasy of like being, of being the, the mistress of Manderley. And then she's like called back to earth by like the discussion they're having. But like, she does have this vision of herself like, giving peaches to an old sick woman on their property <laughs> and it's very funny um yes my mind ran riot then figures came before me and picture after picture and all the while he ate his tangerine giving me a piece now and then and watching me we would be a, a crowd of people and he would say 
I don't think you have met my wife, Mrs. De Winter. I would be Mrs. De Winter. I considered my name and the signature on checks to tradesmen and in letters pe asking people to dinner. I heard myself talking on the telephone. Why not come to Manderley next weekend? People, always a throng of people. Oh, but she's simply charming. You must meet her. This about me, a whisper on the fringe of a crowd. I would go and I would turn away, pretending I had not heard. Going down to the lodge with a basket on my arm. Grapes and peaches for the old lady who was sick. Her hand stretched out to me, saying, The Lord bless you, madam, for being so good. And my saying, Just send up to the house for anything you want. Mrs. De Winter. I would be Mrs. De Winter. <laughs> she just goes on. Just, and then oh. Maxim's like, The tangerine's bitter. And she's like, Oh, oh yes, it is. Yeah. Dude, leave it to Maxim. He'll always just drag you back to yeah. cold reality. Yeah, but she does have this wild imagination i mean you know even if it is just living in a shack what a what a wild idea living on yeah. a shack in the property you know who probably had that idea yeah. fucking did Daphne du maurier about menabilly oh god yeah totally i'm just now, gonna camp out on the grounds here and look at the house and then actually no this is a thing that kind of really bums me out about her relationship with maxim is she has this she has this one statement where she's like if only i could just bottle a memory and keep it mm -hmm. with me forever and i could just mm -hmm. go I wanted and it would be perfect and Maxim was just kind of like why would you ever want to do that because he's a dick he is he's a total dick like but it's also like it's a bummer because it's like you see like these flashes in her where it's like she has the the potential the potentiality of a rich inner life and sort of yeah a, a, a noble desire to do good in the world yeah but it's always just or, or like to make people happy yeah and it's always stifled and yeah there's what was, what was the other bit Speaking of her, uh, her, her fantasizing about life. <laughs> Here at Manderley, a new day was starting. The things of the garden were not concerned with our troubles. A blackbird ran across the rose garden to the lawns in swift, short rushes, stopping now and then to again to stab at the earth with its yellow beak. A thrush too went about its business, and two stout little uh, wagtails following one another. Wagtails are really cute. I just want to say that are they're they? a very cute bird. They're little black and white, and they've got a long tail, and they wag it back and forth. That is their name. That's adorable. It's like a, it's like a bird and a puppy. So fucking cute. All right, sorry. <laughs> These things continued. Our worries and anxieties had no power to alter them. Soon the gardens would be astir, brushing the first leaves from the lawn and the paths, raking the gravel aside. Pails would clank in the courtyard behind the house. Uh, the house would be turned. the The house would be turned on the car. When, when? The hose would be turned on the yeah. car. The hose would be turned on the car. The little scullery maid would begin to chatter through the open door to the men in the yard. There would be the crisp, hot smell of bacon. The housemaids would open up the house, throw wide windows, draw back the curtains. Like, just bit in, she just will, like, imagine Manderley. Just shit that's happening. She doesn't see it, but she's... I'm so glad you read that quote because it's one of my favorites. Yes, hello, Mr. Bennett. Would you like to come into my recording studio? Would you like to come in? There's no room for you here. <laughs> it's a literal closet. <laughs> okay, yeah. So she is thinking about how, you know, regardless of their troubles, the natural order, the world around them just goes on. And she starts with things that are actually of nature, the blackbirds, the wagtails, the thrushes. And then she starts to get into the people. The people who work for her are part of the natural order. Yeah. 
the things that will never stop regardless of what is happening. Yeah. And I think that is fascinating. No, it is. And it's also, and it's weird because it's like, it's fascinating because the beginning of the story already clues you in exactly on what's right. going on with Manderley right now, where it's like, right. who knows where the scullery maid is at this point? Who knows where fucking Mrs. Danvers is at this point? Yeah, who knows if any of these, like both the movies uh, show us that everybody lives except for Mrs. Danvers. Which I hate. Essentially, I know, I know. I we love don't the know idea that, that to be the case. I love the idea that Danny burned the fucking house down and hightailed it out of town. <laughs> like, yeah, she's just working I mean, in someone else's house now. Like, is she changed her name? <laughs> yeah, but we don't, we don't know how many survivors there were or weren't. We oh. do not know how many people she was willing I mean, did she tell people to get out of there? Mm -hmm. Or did she just say, fuck it? No, she, and here's the thing. We don't, we know because she talked to, I, she talked to Frank, and it, or no, she talked to Frank, like when she started with, was starting to become wise and he was like, Frank was like, hey, why don't you come to my office so that we can figure some stuff out? And when Frank's talking to Maxon after they figure out that Rebecca had cancer and that she probably did yeah. kill herself, which we know that she didn't, but yeah. suspicion is off of Maxim, so no one gives a shit. Um, yeah. But Frank was like, she's supposed to come by and she never showed. I actually kind of mm. do think that Danny just fucking set a couple fires right out the back door. Yeah. Like, you know what's also interesting? What? The fact that she bolted. Um, and that like, like to me, that almost implies that actually she didn't do it. Favelle did. But he told her ahead of time. He was like, get out of there. I'm going to burn the place down. Well, all right. The only problem with that is Favelle was with them in London. I know. So he would have to hightail it back. Well, wait, they did have to make a detour, right? To drop off. They did. They made a couple of detours. Okay. They had dinner. They did stuff. Like, he might have gotten back first. Okay. No, that's, now that you say that, that makes sense. Yeah. Because he's the one saying, like, I can still win. Was it? Do you mind if I read a bit about her diagnosis? Yeah. Yes. Outwardly, of course. And All right. So this is after the inquest, the, uh, the narrator, Maxim, Colonel Julian and Favelle all convert, or they all go to London together to see the last person that Rebecca probably talked to, who was a doctor. And Favelle thinks it's because Rebecca was pregnant with his kid. And she even confessed as much to Maxim before he shot her. But they go to the doctor and the surprise is not that she was pregnant. Outwardly, of course, she was a perfectly healthy woman, he said. Rather thin too. I remember rather pale, but that's the fashion nowadays. Pity though it is. It's nothing, uh, it's nothing to go upon with, it's nothing to go upon with a patient. No, the pain would, sorry. No, the pain would increase week by week. And as I told you in four or five months time, she would have had to been kept under uh, morphia. The x-rays showed a certain malformation of the uterus. I remember, which meant she would, uh, which meant the x-ray showed a certain malformation of the uterus. I remember, which meant she could never have a child, but that was quite a part. It had nothing to do with the disease. Oh my God. I forgot that. Yeah. So it's like, even if she hadn't been like cursed with ovarian cancer, cursed for her sins with ovarian cancer, yeah. she couldn't have had children anyway because she was just born wrong. She was wrong inside. <gasps> oh God. That's horrible. No, I just had a thought. Yeah. Um, which was like a certain malformation of the uterus. And they're like talking about how like she, she could have been born a boy. She had the spirit of a man, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Like. Actually, hold on. Let me see if I can find that bit. Continue though. Sorry. Um, I feel like it's, 
in the bit where um where she's talking where mrs danvers is talking about um breaking the horse i don't know if they she actually used the word spirit of a man um but anyway so like what if this malformation of the uterus has to do with like like is she is he implying that she's like intersex in some way yeah that's a thing that i think is kind of interesting like that is an interesting implication because it's he talks about a malformation of the uterus, but then there's also the yeah. idea that's like, if you have that, there's also, but everybody loved her. Yeah. Everybody thought that she was beautiful. Like, you right. know, it sort of flies in the face of like heterosexual reproductive futurism. Like yeah. the notion that, yeah. oh no, of course she's beautiful and she has good breeding. And it's like, no, her, you don't understand her body. You don't understand. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, no, so much. God, Daphne, you talk about horses like a lot. She's British. I have a thing for horses and dogs. Was it? I love, this is a random thing. I'm not going to try to look at it, look it up, but it's when Maxim's sister Beatrice and her husband come to visit and mm -hmm. Beatrice is like laying it out, like what Maxim's relationship to Rebecca looked like to her. She just keeps getting more intent and intent. But it, during that time, she's petting the dog Jasper. Right. And as the conversation's going on, I she's... Uh, they're both petting Jasper and they're getting like really into conversation and then it's like you know sort of POV to the narrator POV to Beatrice and then POV to Jasper who's fucking stoked because they're petting him so much right now yep like they, yep. they've kind of gotten lost in conversation and are just petting him and Jasper's like yay <laughs> <laughs> yes it's only ex it's only okay to express your feelings by talking through a dog yeah <laughs> I was just so happy that you're paying attention to him. Man. Was it? Um, do we want to jump to the end? Sure. Dude. What about the end? Um, I thought it was very abrupt. It is very abrupt. I, I enjoyed it. Because it's like, that's a, th it's really, but it's really weird though. Because it's like, as much as I loved this book, I feel like mm -hmm. it was not afraid to waste my time. I or could, to not waste your time. It, yeah, it was not afraid to waste my time. Like every so often it would go, like, my God, the amount of times that they had to stop before they got to the doctor's office. Oh, yeah. Like, and they, <laughs> and you, they had to drive for three hours, and you had to hear about everything that they did on the drive, and everything that they talked about, and all this stuff. And then finally, Manderley's on fire, and it's Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, go oh, on. we're done. Yeah, and that's a beautiful passage as well. We drove faster, much faster. We, toppled the, we topped the hill before us and saw Lanyon lying in a hollow at our feet. There to the left of us was the silver streak of the river, widening to the estuary at Carrot six miles away. The road to Manderley lay ahead. There was no moon. The sky above our heads was inky black, but the sky on the horizon was not dark at all. It was shot with crimson like a splash of blood, and the ashes blew towards us with the salt wind from the sea. Yes! And then it's just over! Yeah, that's the end. That's, that's, like, that's it, that's the end, and I don't, like, I kind of, the movie's feel like they have to like show us more and they don't they don't they can just end it instead of giving us fucking stupid scenes with mrs danvers either being crushed by falling timber or jumping off a cliff which i was and yeah no i was we were both very disappointed in the remake and we can talk about army hammer in a hot minute i thought that that was such a complete disservice to her character yeah. Just who she was. Like in Hitchcock, it made sense because in, in one way, because it's like he took away the sort of motherly context and made it seem like she was just utterly in love with Rebecca. Yeah. 
Yeah. So like that suicide kind of made sense. And the actress sold it because like while the shit's falling apart around her. Yeah. She's like looking in the camera. It's like, I'm coming, babe. Yeah. Like she's so she's so about what she's doing. I'm I'm still not crazy about it. But yeah. the uh, the Netflix one was just like, no, this is a bad bitch. She gets away. Like she actually, and this is a, that's a thing. Like we don't we don't really know whether she died or not. But like yeah. in my mind, yeah, she's like, oh, you killed Rebecca. I'm going to take everything from you. Yeah, like it, it doesn't seem to me like there would be any reason for Mrs. Danvers to need to be in the household. It's burning down. No. Also, in terms of the relationship between Rebecca and Danny that I really love is that she says about Rebecca that the only thing that she feared was getting old or getting sick or dying. And when she goes to see the doctor about her, I'm guessing, uterine cancer, mm-hmm. doesn't do it. She doesn't use her real name. She, she does it under Danny's name. Yes. She says that she's Mrs. Danvers, and it's like, the one, the when we know, like, according to Mrs. Danvers, the only time that she's scared or that she, what she's afraid of is the idea of getting so sick that you just die. And yeah. the only time that she could ever face that fear was under Danny's name. Yeah. And that means, I, I feel like that means something to me. And I, I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of bummed that Mrs. Danvers burned down the house and split before she ever found that out. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, again, that, like, I remember... I don't think, I don't know if this is in the book, but I know in the Hitchcock film, they have, they have Favelle call Danny when he's found everything out. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, I could, that's within the realm of possibility. Like yeah. he, he could have told her what was up again. If he was like, get out of there. I'm coming to burn it down. Um, sorry, get out of there. I'm coming to burn it down. Then he could have told her. But I, I don't know if he would have thought it important, you know, that she used Danny's name. Yeah, is it? All right, so unless you, unless you have any more thing more to say, I'm thinking maybe we move to a new segment. Okay. And this one is uh, related reading. Okay. So it could be anything. It could be a book. It could be a movie, a TV show, a video game. But if you mm. like Rebecca, what would you advise people check out? Other gothic novels. Yeah. I'm starting on Jane Eyre right now, which I have read, but am rereading now. And I'm three chapters in and I am appalled by the child abuse, but I am impressed by the similarity, not the similarity, but these are both novels where um, they do really well in describing when you are in a state of panic the way thoughts just go boom 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 and they get bigger um and they build on themselves and um is it um um, that's also very it's very apropos did you ever read the mad woman in the attic no i assume that is um about that's a jane Eyre take it is uh it's by these two uh theorists gilbert and gubar and also like also great to jump on jane Eyre because it's like that's the ending of this is not, I'm not going to say it's a ripoff to Jane Eyre, but it is very Jane Eyre-ish. Mm-hmm. The woman wronged burns the house down of the shitty husband. Mm. Like, I don't know why I didn't think of that myself. No, and, and also like there's another reason and it's like, and it's in the, it's in the Mad Woman in the Attic and it kind of talks about mm-hmm. how Jane and Bertha, the, the Mad Woman in the Attic, Rochester's yeah. first husband, how- Wife. Yeah, or yes. Yeah, <laughs> 
Sorry. I mean, I mean, maybe there's something we didn't know about Rochester, but uh, there's y'all need to know some. You, everybody needs to get really cool about a lot of stuff really quick with Bertha. <laughs> Um, but no, the, uh, um, so the deal with, uh, that is Bertha and Jane are kind of like actantial characters. They're mm. somehow the same person, but not. Um, and, and this is, wow. it's, it's sort of like a thing where it's just like, you know, Jane has a moment where she's like, not sure if she wants to get married and she's okay. like, yeah. and then Bertha destroys her wedding dress. Yeah. Like there's a really weird, like Jane grew up repressed so she tries to hide the violent aspects of herself, but yeah. she's never met Bertha, but Bertha somehow is fulfilling all of these, these. Oh, it's like a fight club scenario. Exactly. Oh my. Bertha is Tyler Jordan. Bertha's Tyler Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, poor Bertha. Oh my God. Bertha deserves to be herself, I think. No, no, <laughs> but that's that's an interesting idea. No, that's, oh, is it? I'm, I'm going to cut this bit out, but this is just me talking to you yeah. now. But the, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but Wide Sargasso Sea is a novel. I know of it. I have not read it. And it's it's from, and maybe maybe it's a thing if you want to do it down the road, because it's the, yeah. the story of what happened to Bertha before she became the mad woman in the attic. And it's very very tragic and it's actually kind of it's a really interesting take on Jane Eyre and that character but. I would love to read that the reason I am reading Jane Eyre is because I am doing uh, monthly chaplaincy sessions with um, Vanessa Zoltan of um, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text mm. um and I could either read a Harry Potter book or I could read Jane Eyre. And I'm like, well, I just finished one Gothic novel. I might as well reread another one that I actually did read at a similar time. Um, so I'm going to go be going very slowly on that, but I'd be happy to read Wine So Grasso Z. Um, anyway, you get to pick the next one because I picked... Beowulf. Beowulf. Which, which... I can't... Oh, good choice, by the way. Was it? I'm not oh very my God. it, but I'm enjoying it. Oh my god! Well, I've already gotten to the bit where he rips uh, Grendel's arm off. So, um, excuse me. Yeah, um, but also we need to make TikToks about this. Yes, um, I'm actually, I'm very, I'm very interested in this idea because I've been thinking yeah. about, and this is what I do now. I think about how I can use social media to like make our shit happen. Yeah, where I can try and like, uh, spin us into you know, and it's like I, I got a book of short stories that's done, and I'm gonna try and drop it somewhere. And I would like a platform also. Like, mm. So, um, but anyways, yeah. Uh, was it? Yeah. I'm going to jump back in. So, but Yes, it, let's jump back in. So my related reading, I've actually just dropped both of them. The Great God Pan, which I think I may have even, it's suggested for another podcast that I did with David, but it's an, an amazing book. I think you mentioned it, yes, but I now really want to read it. So. Um, was it? I... Oh, um, I was, yeah, no, I remember. Who is the great God Pan by? Oh, Arthur Machen. Uh, Arthur Machen. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, you know what that might be? That actually might be my choice after Beowulf. Okay. Like, it, I'm going to, I'm going to think about it, but it might be, because it's been, it's been a few years since I've read it. And, but yeah, so, um, great God Pan. Um, but the one that I think is my sort of favorite for this is Lygia. 
It's a short story like by, yeah, it's a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. And it's about okay. a man who is addicted to morphine, who is a very unreliable narrator, remembering this like perfect woman with long flowing black oh, hair. Jesus. And, and how she was perfect and everybody loved her. But also you find out in Lygia that Lygia wrote The Conqueror Worm, one of Poe's most sardonic, fucked up poems about how life is a comedy. The life Was it life is the comedy man and hero is the conqueror worm? Like the whole point of that is that life is fucking horrible and, mm -hmm. you know, and death is a sweet release. But he keeps thinking that he's seeing her. And also she does die of like sort of an illness, like a very strange wasting illness. Ooh. So yeah, it, it has a lot. It Basically it has all of the elements of Rebecca, but they're remixed. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. This actually, it makes me want to reread the yellow wallpaper. Good book. Which I read in high school, but have not recently. I also saw a TikTok about it yesterday. This is... It was fun. This is amazing. I actually, I read that book. Actually, let's mm -hmm. put it in this. Let's finish the episode and then we'll talk about the yellow wallpaper. Okay. No, because there was a thing. There's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole thing. All right. Um, but no, all right. So uh, our last section uh, would be a casting call. Ooh. This is weird because we've already had two movies of this book. This is unlike anything else we've ever covered on the show. This movie has been, or this book has been adapted into two movies. But if you were making a movie, who would you cast? Not Army Hammer. I can tell you that for sure. No. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of an older man who creeps me out. <laughs> is Kevin Spacey uncanceled? Can Kevin Spacey come back? <laughs> that is a oh, joke. No. Kevin Spacey should never come back. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, okay. You're gonna have to cut out a lot of hemming and hawing on my end. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if you told me about these segments ahead of time, but I, I am, I am always really bad at this question at any circum, like with any character, any film. Was it, do you want, if, if it would help, I could go first and you could think Sure, sure. Um, so if I were casting this, um, this is gonna sound kind of weird, but the narrator would be you. Me? Not you specifically. I mean the listener, the 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 audience you. And this is gonna sound strange, but like put like kind of a GoPro on someone and just oh. have them walk through the experience of being the narrator. Like oh. that that like that dumb action movie. Um that dumb action movie. There was, I think it was called Hardcore Harry, but it's like basically like a guy on a go a guy has like a camera attached to him and he like Jesus. watch him fight. No. And it's so that's a bad use of this technology. I kind of like the idea of a film that is entirely based around, and I also am mm. thinking too, this is my weird idea because we've already had two versions of this movie before mm -hmm. and I don't want to do it exactly like they did. Yeah. So the GoPro would be, you would be the main character and we would have to get a voice actor for that person. And I would think like Eva Green. So Eva Green doing the thoughts and inner monologue of... Mm -hmm. The, the narrator. I want Rebecca to be uh, Audrey Plaza. What? Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me why. Also, oh. you want people to see Rebecca. I do. No, and this is a thing that's weird. I'm doing, I'm, I'm making a weird Rebecca. You're I'm... fucking it up. <laughs> well, no, but Maxim will have actually killed her though. Well, okay. He did kill her in the Army Hammer movie, right? 
No, he didn't. He, or no, he, did they? He did. Yeah, no, but it was like weird because it was like, she put the gun in yeah. my hand and then she like, yeah. walked up to it and just like, yeah, the gun. yeah. No, yeah. That was like a thing where she was just like constantly egging him on where in the book he just right. shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, the implication was that she was egging him on, which again, let's, let's just all pause and think about the fact that she knew that she could get him to kill her. And what does that say about Maxim and their marriage? But anyway, carry on. So no, I would actually, and then, and that's a thing too, where it's like, maybe you can hear like hints of her voice too. She's like mm. ethereal, but like, I want her picture everywhere. Mm. Like, you know, so I want that. And, um, and for Maxim, he's too old for this, but I want Michael Douglas. I mean, sure. Like, and it's mostly, and it's mostly because it's like, I want to, I want to flip. Like I've, I, I know who he was in, um, Fatal Attraction, and in mm-hmm. Basic Instinct. I want him to be now the other person. I want him to be the killer. Uh, not the person looking for the killer. That's, that's interesting. Who's Mrs. Danvers? Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Danvers would be Jessica Chastain. Interesting. I would kind of want to do the thing, too, where it's like, maybe we could put like some gray in her hair, but yeah. I kind of like the idea. I want to go back to sort of like the Hitchcock of like this sort of statuary woman in, in black. And I think Jessica Chastain has like a good bearing for that. And she also is, she's, that was that one movie or that one TV show where she plays like a lawyer. She's very, like, I love that. Okay. She has a good ice glance. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like if she looked at me disapprovingly, I would wither and die. So. Yeah. Well, I thought of half of mine. Who you got? I think that Maxim, well, okay. I think Maxim should be Idris Elba. Okay, way way better than mine. But then, if, but but then if I do that, then then it becomes Othello. Well, it doesn't have to be Othello. It could be Othello. I'm only think I'm only really thinking about Othello because you brought up Othello. Yeah. I was thinking I just want to make this less white, and <laughs> he has infinite amounts of charm. Um, where you could could understand why a young girl would be attracted to him mm. as opposed to Michael Douglas. I've never been attracted to Michael Douglas in my life. No. Um, he's weird. I feel like I've heard when I was younger, people are like, he's so handsome. He's so handsome. I never saw it. Really? really? Okay. I wasn't paying attention to movies when he was in his heyday anyway. And when you said that you would wither under Jessica Chastain's glance, you know whose glance I wither under? Yeah. Longingly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see Liv. Yes! Fuck yes! <laughs> no, was it? Here's the thing. I feel like it, like the, like I know what you're saying. Like it's a little too problematic because it's too much like Othello. But like honestly, if you just like change the makeup of the entire cast, right? It doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. Was it? So if you yeah. had, if you had a picture of Rebecca in the background or a painting of Rebecca that was based off of an actor, who would that be? I almost said Kate Blanchett. And then I thought of Kate Blanchett as Danny um, instead of (laughs) Rebecca. See, I can always catch, like Danny, Danny is, I think is infinitely more fun than Rebecca. Oh yeah. um, Herself. This is why I was like, maybe I'll be Rebecca for Halloween. I'm like, how would I do that? No, I will be Danny. Oh God, maybe Kira Knightley. Yeah. Maybe Kira Knightley's old enough to be Rebecca now. She's definitely is. Like, I mean, her, in her young, young, young times, she was, she was always very ingenue. But now, like, oh, like, you know, like the dress and atonement, man. 
Yeah. Um, which I've not seen. But even like um, in the Duchess, where it's like, yeah, like yeah, I, I get I've it. not seen the Duchess either. Um, um okay. <laughs> it has great. It has great costumes. Everyone acts really well, but I think yeah. the script was rather subpar, and I think the story is kind of boring. Yeah. So I think I'm getting like kind of tired of like Arista trash movies and TV. Like I can't watch The Crown. I, I enjoyed The Crown. I can't watch Downton Abbey. Like, have you watched Bridgerton though? I've not. Oh man, I watched two episodes of it and I loved it. And then I came home and was like, oh, there's more. <laughs> no, I I will watch Bridgerton. I just I get exhausted by um television sometimes. Yeah. Even if I'm really into it, that's why I have not finished The Crown. There's, there's I like, <laughs> there's so much more. But I also was really angry at The Crown because when I was watching it, I was so into it. Like I don't binge things. Mm-hmm. I just I sat down and I watched three episodes, and I was like, why is it two in the morning? Randomly, the the one thing that like someone told me to try to get me to watch The Crown is just like, dude, Matt Smith is like fucking hot and thirsty the whole time. Oh yeah, he's great. And I'm like, um, That's, I can watch that. Also, it's, isn't Claire Foy in it at some point? She she is she is the queen. Yeah, um, I, I might have to check that out. <laughs> yeah. So first two seasons, it's Claire Foy and Matt Smith, and second two, it's Olivia Coleman Smith and the the Fucking husband <laughs> from Outlander. Not 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 the Scottish husband, but Claire's. English husband who's academic that she time travels away from and then he has his relative that looks like him but isn't. Have you watched Outlander? It's stupid. I loved it. I have not. Was it, um, let's do Outlander in a sec. Was it, how do you okay. feel? Do you mind if we do sort of outros like you tell? I'm, I'm, I'm going to call the end of the episode but we're going to keep talking. Thank you all very much for listening to Greetings from the Mirror Zone. I have been Bryce Skidmore. And I have been Julia Price. And we'll continue to be so. And no, and it's it's gonna it's was it look forward to episodes in the future. Uh, me and Luskin got something in the works for Anne Rice, and we've also got some stuff in the works for the Joker. We're gonna be doing an episode on Patton for Bullets and Booze. So um, you know, tune in later. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, uh, I am on Twitter uh, at Bryce underscore Skidmore, and I am on uh, Instagram as at the Byronic Man. Uh, with underscores between the Byronic and Byronic Man. And I'm on Twitter as at TallyYorker89, I think. I believe that is you. I, I, believe, I believe that's me. I haven't checked my Twitter handle in a while. I'm actually, I think I'm going to, I might in, announce it then in the next episode. I want to change mine to at Atomic Communist. Ooh, sexy. Right? You know. Mm. Yeah. Those were done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. At Callie Yorker 89 makes sense for who I am, but sounds stupid when I say it aloud on a podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, was it? Be sure to uh, follow us. Also, uh, check out our Facebook page, uh, Mirror Zone Media. Uh, and also, uh, check us out on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And uh, Y'all have a good night. Uh, beware of the the ghosts of your 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 ex's dead people. Spooky. <laughs> Very. <laughs>